I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And we are back with more Dune-affiliated movie news. There's more news, David? Say what? <laughs> so for those of you that followed us, you know that, of course, we, we really are the Dune Book Podcast. But there hasn't been a lot of Dune books. Although if there is a Dune book you would like us to talk about, drop it in uh, on Facebook and uh, you can let us know. And we might actually consider reading it. Yeah. I mean, so, we've done most of them. I don't think there's much that we've missed, but... Uh, maybe a short story or two? Yeah. Something there? Or the video games we didn't review? Yeah. Or? Well, they're re-releasing the game, and I think we should play... We should. We should, we should play, play, play it. Game. As long as there's no novelization, we'll be good. <laughs> you laugh, but uh, one of the things that the rest of us are doing uh, beyond Dune here is we do a show called the Orbital Sword Podcast, and we uh, just did a book on Sea of Thieves, which is based on the video games. Yeah. So, we, so orbitalsword.com. And I, lo- I loved it. It was a great book. <laughs> orbitalsword.com. <laughs> Find us on iTunes, whatever. That's what we're doing uh, on a regular basis. So yes. like uh, our personalities, please join us over there. Although this is regular, considering the last time we recorded, we also did a Dune podcast. That's so maybe true. this is becoming regular. What? <laughs> oh, no. Bring him back, the dude. And you're doing, uh, you're doing another podcast, too, uh, that we maybe should plug. And if you uh-huh. want some more Dune news... When David, he just doesn't talk about Dune enough. So he like, <laughs> goes on other podcasts, launches new podcasts about Dune without Jim and I, and we're very bitter. I have a new movie-related <laughs> podcast called the Penn Cinema Podcast. Uh, you can find us pencinemapodcast.com or anywhere you find your 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 stuff or on Facebook. Um, and basically, weekly we review the movie news, including Dune news. We go over all the new trailers. We have a movie review for that month. We talk... Uh, a, a little bit more about uh, the movie theater business than you might normally find on a movie podcast because we are based out of a small independent theater chain. Um, so uh, if you're interested in movies, it's a great place to hear some great content of uh, me butchering every name possible. Very so. good. Very good. <laughs> and if you're in the uh, Lancaster or Delaware area, make sure you check out Penn Cinema. That's right. So, so. Yeah, absolutely. And what are, you've got you've got podcasts going on outside of this as well. I do a Sci Fi Diner that's been running forever. You guys know that. And, yeah, uh, do the Sci Fi Diner and occasionally we'll put out some episodes and some other podcasts that are not near as serious. But my main one is Sci Fi Diner and this. But when you're talking about serious, it doesn't get more serious than Klingon related books. Or podcasts. Or podcasts about Klingon related books. I know, Jim. Jim tell Jim, us about that, Jim. <laughs> well. Uh, on uh, CAG.org slash podcast, you can see a or find episodes of a little thing, a little project we got going on called Bound by Honor, and it is a Klingon book review podcast. We we stick pretty well with, with Klingons, although we have 
kind of looked at at Romulans a little bit uh, to satisfy some persons in the Xeno legions <laughs> of CAG, which which means a uh, Klingon assault group. Okay, an international club, and uh, there's other podcasts uh, on that on that same site for costuming and. Uh, weapon building and makeup and all kinds of different different subjects. Uh, interviews with with some of the stars. Robert O'Reilly's on there. J.G. Hertzler's on there. Uh, just all kinds of neat, just Klingon stuff. So if you're into Klingons, that's cool. And then the other podcast I'm involved with is uh, the uh, <laughs> Babylon, Babylon Project, Project podcast. Right. We're doing an episode by episode rehash of Babylon five. We are, we just released, uh, the first episode of season five. So we're coming to the end of, wow. uh, of the show itself. And then we're going to move into the movies. And from there, we're going to look at crusade. And when we're done with crusade, we are probably going to do a few of the books too, the ones that are considered canon. Wow. Oh, good. Very cool. Very good. So yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. I can see, I can see that. You can yeah. see that. Well, let's get into this news. How uh, we have some good news coming down oh, the pike. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that, and this article is a little bit older, but I don't think we talked about the last time that we uh, did the podcast. So I wanted to talk about an article that appeared in Vanity Fair. Okay. Now I don't look at Vanity Fair for typically my science fiction news, but they did publish this article that said, and the question they were asking, are we going to get the Dune we finally deserve? Indicating that Lynch's Dune and um, oh, sci-fi. No, the other, well, the Dune miniseries and the what, the movie. I think they were thinking the movie itself and Jordowski's. Yeah, uh, Jordowski's yeah, Jordowski's Dune that were not really part of it. And the thing that stuck out to me, uh, and I'm, I'd love to hear your. Uh, the thoughts about it. I want to read just the last two paragraphs. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and uh, Jim, how do you pronounce the director who's directing the new movie? You're our French expert here. Yeah, I believe it's Villanueva. Okay, so Villanueva. So this is the last two. Villanueva has a definitive advantage over past filmmakers in that the culture broadly is much more accepting of genre storytelling than it was when either Jodorowsky or Lynch were making the films or the story was relegated to niche, lower-budget realm of pre-peak TV sci-fi, back when it was still called the Sci-Fi Channel. Both of the previous directors who attempted to adapt Herbert's work encountered narrow-minded pushback from studios writing their checks. Lynch was even gone so far as to remove his name from some cuts of the film, refusing to take ownership of the final product that was butchered by producers. However, in the intervening years, not only a Star Wars made after Jarowski, but before Lynch, uh, uh, readied the general public for intergalactic warfare and desert planets. But the rise of Game of Thrones has taught modern audiences patience when it comes to intergalactic struggles and betrayals among noble houses like the Atreides. Hard to imagine a Villanueva's overlords at legendary entertainment, but the genre-friendly home of Pacific Rim and Jurassic World being afraid of the director really going for it when it comes to weird and wonderful world of Arrakis. Um, and uh, one more thing they say, but when Villanueva may truly have hit gold is a strategy to split Herbert's lengthy novel into two feature length films. If Jodorowsky's 14 hour proposal was much too long and Lynch's butchered endeavor too short, 
then Villanueva's two-parter could be just right. So what are your thoughts about uh, what Vanity Fair is saying about this movie? Uh, do you think they're hitting the nail on the head here? Or is society ripe for a new Dune movie that is going to take off? No. Yeah, you think it's not going <laughs> to? Oh, okay. I, I, I love Dune. Look at us enough. We talk about Dune all the time. Right. I just, it's, I have a new perspective from doing the Penn Cinema podcast where my co-host has no knowledge of Dune and he deals with the public, the movie going public on a regular basis. And he is saying that they don't have knowledge of Dune. This movie has to be insanely stellar in trailer form to bring people in, I think. I, I just don't think that it's, it has the mass appeal. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm saying I'm not. Obviously, I'm not coming against Dune because I, I, it's it's awesome, and I think personally, I'm going to love it. I think all three of us are going to love it. I mean, even if it's bad, we're probably still going to be like, I'm glad they made it. And they tried. Right. At the same time, I'm like, in the day and age of Game of Thrones or any of these long form series. Wouldn't this adapt better to an HBO style series? Like a uh, maybe the the movie the 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 first book is like just the first season uh, where they can flesh it out over a longer period of time, and you're more inclined to take it in episodically. I just I mean you know they're moving this this movie is going to be two movies. I can pretty much assume. It splits towards like right at the betrayal, you know, and that's where it's gonna just like the miniseries split there. Oh yeah, you know, it, it just it's just the natural place to break the story in half. How much time are they gonna have between the, the releasing of these two movies? I feel like a year could be too much. Maybe not. I don't know. I didn't see the new Blade Runner. I hear it's amazing. Uh, I hear this director's really good. It's just I'm very excited for this, but the more press that it's getting and the more big names that get added to it, the more concerned I get because you've got more hands in the bowl that will want something for themselves. And I really hate the Lynch version of this movie. And I felt like that was very much uh, too many hands in the pot situation. So you feel like Lynch pulled too many big names into the, and it did got, it got convoluted. Yeah. Plus the producers, like too many people wanted too many different things out of it. Right. And in order to get that, it, the movie just became a mess in my opinion. You know, we, we did talk about the last time that the, that the three writers, it's not just Villanueva that's writing. There's like two other writers that have pretty some, have some pretty good serious writing chops. And so I hope from the writing end, if the writing end holds up and the directing is good these the actors certainly have the potential to pull this off yeah it's all good actors and like there's no reason the acting should be bad it's it's more of like an edit and storyline type thing i guess in my anyway yeah so uh, thoughts on this jim i'm cautiously optimistic about this dune movie that we're going to get but i think it's going to be an epic flop yeah. At the box office. Wow. You guys because in in if this is going to be a good Dune movie, then it has to be very cerebral, slow moving, um, make the audience think and 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 be a very thoughtful 
movie if it is going to be accurate. And we know that Brian Herbert, uh, he's the one with the most fingers in the pie. And he is going to protect his father's work at all costs. Yeah. Um, I, I that agree being with said, I, I don't, I don't look for a big box office thing. I think us Dune fans will, will go to the theater. We'll probably see it maybe two, maybe even three times buy the Blu-ray and enjoy the heck out of it. And I don't know if we'll ever see the second movie come to light. Well, I think the second movie is being made in tandem. Yeah, they're filming them at the same time. So, so we'll I, get both movies. Yeah, I think we'll, yeah, we'll definitely they're, get they may, they may be filming it, but are they going to want to invest money in, in promoting it? I don't know. Um, it, I, I, um, I think, okay, let me, let me backtrack a little bit to add to Jim. I agree. I think it's going to be a box office flop domestic, I think, international. The Dune fandom in Europe is insane, um, mm-hmm. insanely good. I think it'll do really well there, and and who can say what about the Chinese audience? That, uh, they're unpredictable, so they might love it as well. So, I, I it's going to make money. I don't think it's going to make money here. We we I, don't in here in the United States. We don't want good movies. We want explosions. We want fast action. We want people that can beat up on other people. Uh, you know, we're, we're not looking for something that, that we have to think about. Uh, we right. want to go in the theater. We want a roller coaster ride is what we're looking for. Um, and a movie that is not like what Marvel is doing right now just ain't going to go anywhere. Now, well, hold on. Scott wants to say something. Well, is there anything <laughs> else you can say in front of him first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Jerk. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it i'm out of this podcast <laughs> guys run the stinking podcast yourself no so you know all i want to say is i have hope and i think i think they can build I th- there is there is action in dune and there's a lot of good action in dune and if you build this movie right i think you can get the thought-provoking conversations Maybe you don't make them as ponderous as Frank Herbert did because you're, you're adapting it to a more modern audience. But I think the potential for action, rich character development is there if it's built right. And I think that you have writers and you have the director uh, and that combination has the potential to deliver. Um. I don't know. I, I I'm hoping. I have hopes. I'm not. I I'm optimistic that this is going to be a commercial success. I, because third time's a charm for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. Let's let's get all mystical here. Third time, I'm superstitious. Third time is a charm. I'm optimistic I, for the movie for us. I yes, for us, I am. Oh, I am going on. to stick to my guns. I am going to stick to my guns, though, for what I've been saying. Ever since we started the Dune Saga podcast, that we, this book, will never be a good movie. It can't be a good movie because it ha- it's you have to make you have to go word for word in the script in order to make this a good movie, and nobody's going to make a twenty-five hour movie. 
Now, <sighs> if they were to take this, if like say Amazon was to take it and do what with Dune, what uh, they have done with Man in the High Castle, Philip K. Dick's book, yeah, and serialize it over time, I think they would do way more justice to this than uh, than make than trying to make a two hour or three hour movie. It, it's not going to work as a as a short movie. No, no, I I I hear what you're saying. I think definitely small form it would be, but I think this has a I think politically where we're at politically in society, where we're at um we're at with uh, the treatment of people and political corruption. I think this story has a portability in today's society that that we aren't uh, that we aren't giving it credit for. And I think that well, I think maybe. that I, th- I, I I I I I hear you, and I hope you're wrong. Um, maybe people have had enough of the reality they don't want to go to the theater and see it. <laughs> uh, maybe. It's a little bit different, but uh yeah. Anyways, hopefully we get to, hopefully we get hopefully Dune fans get the Dune they deserve and hopefully uh it is a commercial success. So that's our, that's my hope. Okay. But I but I hear I hear everything that you're saying. Yeah. Hear everything that you're saying here. Um, well, so another news story that came down, um, I want to jump down to one of the uh, stories that, that we got, uh, we were talking about Game of Thrones here just a moment ago. Uh, there is a tie-in between Game of Thrones and uh, Dennis Villanueva's dude, that is the language consultant that is working on the dialects, for that worked on Game of Thrones, is working on the dialects for uh, Dune. So mm. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, my question is, have they pegged Jim for his work on Game of Thrones loots uh, to bring them over? They definitely, uh, when they do the battle set here, <laughs> yeah. they are, uh, uh, Brian, if you're listening to this, uh, just message me on Facebook because I can give you Jim's number. Yeah. We'll be good to get yeah. so, Luke Consultant. Luke Consultant, Jim, right, right yeah. here. Um, but uh, so this guy, David J. Uh, Peterson, is probably doesn't ring a bell for most people, but he's the linguist behind uh, Game of Thrones uh, and everything in Westeros and the, the Dothraki and the Valyrian dialects. And um, he's also done stuff for fictional language in Doctor Strange, Warcraft, The 100, Bright and Penny Dreadful. And now his latest gig, Dune. Nice. So um, he certainly comes uh, with chops. Personally, I was voting for Mark Okren, but, you know. Can't have everything. Uh, <laughs> he's the guy that created Vulcan and the Klingon languages. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so I'm kind of cool. This is uh, this is uh, he's working in Dune. So that's cool. He can't say he doesn't tell us what he's doing yet, but obviously, you can expect the language of the Fremen to be one of the things he's working with. Yeah, I would imagine that it'll be Islamically based. Yeah, because isn't that the background of the Fremen to some degree? Yeah. Yeah, I think it comes out of that. So, yeah, any uh, any thoughts? On it? I, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, they have someone that's credible doing this yeah. stuff and that knows what he's doing. I think that's cool. I mean, I have I have good hope for that. The the languages won't just sound like made up gibberish. Yeah, I think typically, like uh, when people do languages, they try to at least make them interesting. So. Now, in, in Game of Thrones, they mixed in like uh, some Monty Python references in there. 
Starbucks cups. And, well, the Starbucks cups, but I meant like <laughs> in there's one point where they're speaking another, they're speaking Dothraki, and it's actually the lines from the French guys in uh, <laughs> that is the Holy hilarious. Grail. That is hilarious. Yeah. So, uh, Jim, any thoughts on this? Uh, you don't care. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Nah, who cares? As long as it sounds good in the movie. language. <laughs> yeah. Okay, some other news. Daily Dune put out that Stellan uh, Skarsgård, uh, who plays Baron Harkonnen, will indeed have a fat suit. Whoa. I, I don't know. I mean, are we surprised? I mean, Baron Harkonnen has always been portrayed as extremely obese. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got to be, like, morbidly obese. So. Right. Yeah. 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 I forget in the books you're gonna I, nude fans are gonna rage against me here. There was a reason he was fat. Yeah, he got yeah uh, poisoned. He raped, poisoned. He raped a Benny Gesserit, and she poisoned oh, him. Oh, that's yeah. right. And she that and she right. fixed him up. She did fix him up pretty yeah uh, pretty good. But he was a yeah, fat because he was because he was he was uh he was built very well. He was athletic. He was uh, muscular. And, and insane. Yeah. He had and he took pride in that and she took that away from him. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. See, you know, anyone watching the dude movie when it comes out in twenty twenty won't have that context, but we'll know. We'll know. We'll know. You're gonna yell it in the middle of the theater. Right. He's fat because he raped a girl. Yeah. Everybody would be like, What? 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 <laughs> You yell that at all movies, though. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I, a fat I guy comes on screen. I'm like, yeah. I just yell it. I did that. I, in Endgame? I, don't, don't, don't listen. Can, can you just mute yourself here, but Jim? But I did it when... No, I'm just kidding. I won't spoil it. But there's a there's a fat person in Endgame, and I yelled it then. So. But, yeah. but, but, uh, but anyways, yeah, so that's... Uh, interesting. Another piece of news: Josh Brolin, who is Endgame, talking about the Endgame, mm-hmm. Thanos, right? Uh, got in trouble for sharing a ridiculous story on Twitter. All right. So, so this story is Josh Brolin shared the story about uh, how he got in trouble for spoiling Dune. All right. So he apparently took some pictures. He had a. He was riding a camel. He took some pictures of the sand in front of him, and. Um, it was kind of interesting. Like what he, here, what he actually tweeted was something like this. Um, he goes, um, he goes, so I was in Jordan. We were in the sand, a little vacation, a few days off, went around. I put my stories and he put it on. He was filming and he like posted stuff about like what he was doing. Right. And he apparently got in trouble. Um, and someone talked about the guidelines, like stuff he's not supposed to be sharing, right? You know, that whole, the NDA that he's under. And he said, so I had this conversation. And it just didn't deal with it very well. It was like Jason Momoa doing Aquaman, telling him when he's off that he can't take a picture of himself in water. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, it's sand. It's called Dune. Everybody knows. I'm not <laughs> spoiling Dune. <laughs> so he was a little bit irked at the directors for it. He was apparently on vacation when it happened. But Yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, Jim, th- there's a uh, desert in the book. Yeah, I, it, I don't know if you caught spoiler that. Spoiler alert! Spoiler <laughs> alert! There's oh, sand. I mean, wait a minute. Des- wait a minute. Deserts have Dune, sand. Go ahead. The desert planet is sand? Yeah. Yes. The sand Holy moly. Are on sand. Who'd have yes. thought? Yes. <laughs> this... Uh, 
These is are worms the kind of, on sand. This is the kind of trash that is going to cheapen this movie and make people just roll their eyes and say, oh, yeah, well, here we go. Now we're going to do this to make the movie popular or to get people to come in and see it. Well, see, it's, and it's one thing to spoil, like, Avengers Endgame, right? Because there's a certain sense where we don't know. Yeah. But Dune... Everyone knows what happens in Dune. If you read Dune, there's like the spoilers been out for the, property. The, yes. the, spoiler, the spoilers been out for fifty years, buddy. Yeah. Sixty. Years. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't follow the book, then that's it a problem. Is definitely not gonna go. <laughs> yeah, there's a problem there. If it's not, if this, if, if the book hasn't spoiled this movie, then they're making the wrong movie. Yeah, yeah. We're we're looking to visualize uh, what Frank Herbert wrote, right? I think it's some director yeah. trying to pull rank. That's well, all. I also feel this is something I've said before. Josh Brolin is supposed to be the everyman's look into this movie. I think they're pegging him as that. He's going to be the guy spoiling stuff. He's going to be the guy on Twitter all the time talking about it. He's going to be the one that everyone's like, oh, Josh Brolin said this about that or that, whatever. Like he's the guy that they've pegged to leak or whatever. Like that's going to be his role for the whole production. He's, it's he's totally the fabricated. Whip. Yeah, he's yeah. the whip that they send out to to put out a view to see what kind of reaction it gets. Right. Yeah. That the like they do in Congress. You know, the majority whip goes out, and and he might he might say something that's absolutely contradictory about what the majority party actually wants just to see what kind of reaction they get if the majority decides to compromise a little bit to get through what they want. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, that's what he is. And so I take a lot of what he says, just kind of like, Oh, Josh Brown's talking again. Uh, you know? Yeah. So, uh, let me get this straight. If I go to the beach and there's a dude that's made of sand. Yeah. Well, you're going to get, you're going to sued because, I just you're, you're spoiling to the Dune movie. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Brian Herbert, please don't sue me. <laughs> uh, we're making fun of this. And some of these stories, uh, it seems like uh, they're just digging the bottom of a barrel for Dune news sometimes. But yeah. uh, uh, it was kind of fun. I've never done that in my life. <laughs> no, no, never done <laughs> Yeah. Notice we're dredging it up here for the show. So <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the other two things that I have are kind of not necessarily Dune movie related, but they're Dune news. And um, um, the one I found in an article that was fascinating by the Sci-Fi Channel, but I want to talk about a sci-fi, a SIFI or whatever it's called now, the SIFI uh, wire or whatever it is. Uh, but there's another one, Hollywood Reporter reported, and we knew this for a while now, but Dune's getting a new hardcover edition ahead of the film coming out in October, right? Something like that. Mm. Yeah, so... So new and the artwork looks amazing. Oh uh, my my dudes, yeah, it's very cool. That's gonna be a whole new like they're redoing the original series and these amazing covers. And I'm just like, David knows what he's asking his I, mom for Christmas. Do I need four, four copies of the, the series. You do. Do I? I mean, it's, do you know what we need to do? Is we need a reread those original books on the dune saga podcast because they're going to read differently because they have different covers that's yeah that's that's <laughs> i have so many copies of this book it's ridiculous and and i love every copy i have of dune and and i have multiple copies of literally every single one uh because i have the i have hardcover versions that all match 
Because I, I, I had to get the matching ones, and then I have <laughs> I have paperback versions uh, at, at a minimum of of all the books in the series. So it's it's uh, I'm is it a problem? I could stop whenever I wanted. I just <laughs> yeah. choose not to. <laughs> yeah. So these are a reissue. Uh, these are a reissue of the 1965 novel features. It's the original artwork mm-hmm. that they were originally. Um, and it's not going to be. Uh, it's going to be a forty dollar hardcover. That's not unusual for the Dune hardcovers. Yeah. I think the the fiftieth anniversary or whatever is around there. Uh, but nice the artwork looks pretty incredible. October first is coming out, and uh, here's what I hope they do. The new book covers, I hope they release them as posters. That would or be... Or artwork, painted artwork or something. I would buy those from my wall. Hands down. Yeah. yeah. But it, it do look, they do look pretty amazing. Yeah, they do. They look great. I'm, yeah. I'm totally on board. Yeah. So. so if you're looking for, like, listeners, if you're looking for something to get, like, David, Jim, and I for Christmas, now you know. Now you know. You know. That's, Yeah. Send send it to us, please. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, right. Um, so, what's our last thing here? Oh, so the last thing. Uh, this is a real quick story. I, I found it interesting. Um, this was uh, titled "Dune and Religious Appropriation," and, mm. and this is a quote by Frank Herbert. And it's no stranger that Frank Herbert not only deals with political systems but also religious systems. Yeah. Uh, uh, as he talks in his books, and he gets, and he said this quote. Uh, which seems a little bit to fly in the face of science fiction sometimes, but all science goes back to something that we believe because we believe it. We believe it because we believe it, and we have no proof for it. It's like a religion. Um, and so the article just went on to say about his his thoughts about science and religion not being mutually exclusive like some people sometimes paint them. Hmm. Um. And uh, the article starts off, anyone who has read Dune won't struggle to believe that these are the words of Frank Herbert. The celebrated American author made a career cross-pollinating his literature with themes of religion and science, and none of his works does it with quite so much vigor as his infamous Duneverse. I don't think it's infamous, but Duneverse. Um, but there's religiousism, mysticism, politics, ecology, science, sociology, and human humanity throughout everything. So Yeah. Um, you think about the Bene Jesuits? I know for me personally, and I, we talked about this before, for me personally, I guess, uh, when I read, especially God Emperor of Dune, sociopolitically, oh, like, yeah. it was, it was a, a, a turning point for my development thought process in that area. And going along with that, it affected some of my views on organized religion um, yeah. as a result. So, I mean, totally. Yeah, that's, I mean, he's got some crazy stuff to talk about. Yeah. I think you have to read beyond the first book to really get a lot of it. But. Right. And uh, certainly in God Emperor, it's probably explored. Most the most. Yeah. 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 Any thoughts, Jim? Um, <laughs> science is science. Science is empirical evidence solid evidence there is no belief or disbelief it's either it either is or is not uh religion is is based on faith okay um yes there's all these elements in dune and i think it is awesome that that all these elements are explored but i don't know this this statement science goes back to something that we believe 
Because we believe it? No, science is not something you believe. Science is science. It is experimentation, empirical evidence, repeating the same thing over and over and over again to prove that something is or it is not. No, so there's my thought. Yeah, I think I think uh, maybe where I when I where I may agree with Frank in this because we're on first name basis um, <laughs> is uh, is the fact that you know science does build itself around postulates and theories and some of these are not proven uh, but theorized postulated as being possibilities and uh, if you push like the universe far enough there's 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 a lot of theories out out there about you know. I think a better way for you to percolate Frankie Franks, because we're on a nickname basis. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm, I, I'm sorry, Frank. We need to talk. <laughs> I'm going to break out my Ouija board, and we're going to have a conversation here. The better way to percolate what he's saying, perhaps, I'm just going to keep using that word. Uh, you like is, the word percolate. Yeah. It's uh, science and theories, or as you were saying, these things apply to science fiction. Uh, I mean, he, he was talking about science, but like these thoughts definitely apply to science fiction where theory can be accepted as fact um, in that world. And in, in this, it's like, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like fact-based fiction is, is, is almost a way to say it with the science fiction. So um, maybe I lost my train of thought there, but Frankie, it just didn't percolate. Frankie right. Frank knows what's up. <laughs> did percolate enough Jim. yeah so here's here, here, here's here's my question jim is loot playing more of a scientific or religious experience <sighs> i think i personally when jim plays a loot yes. i have a religious it's experience. a religious experience i have a religious experience that, that's quantifiable by science it is definitely <laughs> Like, that's, where the, that's what Frank was really talking about. It was. <laughs> you guys are so full of it. <laughs> it's even funny. <laughs> oh, oh my. Well, I think that's good enough. Uh, we will keep you up. We will keep you abreast. And uh, as more news percolates. What? Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Write us in. DuneSocketPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. If we miss something, if you've experienced Jim's loot music like we have, and it's anything truly else you a religious think experience. of, it, truly scientifically a religious I, Absolutely, I see. So, I don't even play the freaking thing. Come on. <laughs> we should start the cult of Jim. I don't uh, own cult one. Of Jim. <laughs> the, Jim. Yeah. The, the looted Jim, the fabled looted Jim. Yeah, the looted Jim. Uh, I'm all for it. So, once again for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood, and may Shai Hulud clear the path before you. <laughs>